Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today we are going to talk about training women during menopause. We know that menopause is this important phase in a woman's life that's related to menopause and improved quality of life for women. So I couldn't think of anyone better to speak to this topic than my friend Maria Luque. She is a she has a PhD. She is a fitness expert. She's a health science professor, and she's a menopause researcher with over 20 years experience. So Maria, I'm going to bring you in and have you introduce yourself. Hi, Angie. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, you know, we've talked about menopause quite a bit already. So, you know, I'm really passionate about it. So um, I'm very excited to uh, throw out some knowledge and some tips, hopefully for your audience on this. Awesome. Well, you know, Maria and I, we actually met because we both contributed to the women's fitness specialization. And Maria wrote a, wrote a chapter on menopause and I wrote a chapter on core training. And so that's where I really kind of got to understand Maria and her passion and all the research that she's done on menopause. And I thought, what a great place to bring this to our NASM and APA podcast audience. So Maria, first, I just have to say, I we follow each other on Instagram. And recently I saw a post that you had written and it was was about menopause being called a deficiency disease. And I was like, oh, okay. Those seem like fighting words to me. So can you kind of deep dive into what your thoughts are about that whole idea of it being a deficiency disease? I mean, first of all, anything uh, that the, the fact that it's being branded or tried to be branded as like a deficiency of anything is insulting and frustrating to all women out there because this is a natural process. So we're not deficient in anything. This is what our body is supposed to be doing. It's changing its path because it has to, because that's what it is. That's what nature is. So when uh, it, anything being described as a deficiency, it always makes it seem like we're missing something, which in essence then means that we need to supplement it with something which then means that we have to look for something that we need to ingest or uh, supplement with to become whole again. Like there's so many problems with it. Um, right. But inherently it states that women that are going through menopause are missing something that is critical, which is not true. Like this is what our bodies are is supposed to do. And uh, um, so my post had a lot of strong words on Instagram, as you saw. Um, and there is a deficiency. There should be a deficiency of not caring about what people think about your menopause experience anymore. And that's how I frame it. Right. Well, you're, you're spot on. I mean, a deficiency disease, deficiency in and of itself says that there's something wrong with us, that we're missing something. Or, you know, and, and that in and of itself makes us feel like uh, we need to be treated or fixed. And so I think that that brings about feelings of shame and disappointment for women. And there's already so much stigma associated with menopause. What a shame to have it, ha have it then in the medical community be called the deficiency disease. So let's, um, let's talk about what are kind of the stages of menopause. I know in the women's fitness uh, specialization, your chapter deep dived into the stages. How do trainers who work with women and women who are, who are perimenopausal or perimenopausal or ready to start menopause, how would they know? What are some of those stages? 
Well, in essence, two of the most important stages really are perimenopause and postmenopause. And then there's also premenopause, which is really the entire time before menopause or the menopausal transition starts, which isn't really relevant in, in regards to the menopausal experience. So I tend to just leave it there. Premenopause is before everything. Mm -hmm. uh, perimenopause is what most people talk about, which is that time where mo women experience most of the symptoms, which the hormones are up and down and changing around before in postmenopause they start evening out and the experience becomes a little bit more predictable. Now there's also menopause itself, which is used as a kind of overarching term, but definition wise, when we talk about menopause, that's one specific point in time. And that is 12 months after a woman has had her last period which we don't know when that is going to happen. So really it's kind of uh, retroactively, like the point when you're like 12 months done, that's when menopause is. And then at, right after that, postmenopause starts and postmenopause is until the end of your life, really. So it's the rest of a woman's lifespan then. They'll be, she'll be met postmenopausal. Okay. So that's a, that's a good marker 12 months after the last period. And I think, because I do think there's some confusion out there on what is menopause and when does mm -hmm. menopause start? And don't they say that the average age that women go through menopause is like 52 or is it 52 or 53, something like that? Yes. Yeah, so average 51, 52 is the average age that said, you know, I feel like uh, a lot of times people expect that to be kind of like the, Oh, I'm 50. Then I'm going to start going through some stuff. But uh, we have to remember that that is the average time of like menopause. So when a woman is kind of like going into that postmenopausal stage, the perimenopausal stage can start. I mean, normally sometime in the forties, but there's women that go into perimenopause much sooner than that. So uh, setting that up as just, you know, uh, menopause starts somewhere in your 50s leads women to believe that they don't have to really not necessarily worry about it but they don't have to watch out for symptoms that might be experiencing and that's why i think a lot of women are super surprised when they start feeling symptoms that they mm -hmm. don't attribute to menopause in their you know late 30s or even early 40s yeah i think that that makes a lot of sense actually because i you know, you, you look back and, and you look at those years and you talk to a lot, I work with a lot of women, you work with a lot of women. And I, I do think that women get it in their mind that what's going to happen in my fifties. And then in the forties is really, I think when a lot of the perimenopausal symptoms really kick into high gear. And I think that sometimes women don't expect that you're right. Um, so before we even get into the hormonal changes, cause I know that's one that everyone likes to talk about. And that's a big one. One of the things that I really want to talk about today is the cardiorespiratory changes and the cardiovascular changes, because I, I know that women after menopause are at a higher risk for heart disease. And so, and that's something that, you know, we hear about heart disease being a man's disease and we worry about men having the heart attacks, but you know, all of a sudden I think women are starting to recognize, no, heart disease is actually what the number one killer for women after menopause. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. And it goes undetected a lot of times because women present differently than men. Uh, and so a lot of times it's misdiagnosed when they go to the ER and they're having heart issues. Um, so it's, it's a big one to know. A heart disease is, a, is an issue before menopause, but it becomes really prevalent after because estrogen has a protective effect. So when we start losing some of that estrogen, 
uh, the risk is increased. There's also a higher number just because women live longer generally. So there is a couple of factors that come into uh, play when we talk about the increased risk. But it is something to be very mindful about that most women, I would dare to say, are unaware of that it is such a big risk factor. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. And the thing is, is that, like you said, it gets undetected. Mm -hmm. I know that when my mom went in and she kept saying, I'm having chest pain, I'm having chest pain. Um, and they poo pooed her, you know, you've got five mm -hmm. girls, it's stress. Um, you know, are you getting enough sleep, blah, blah, blah. And they just didn't pay attention, didn't pay attention until everybody had to pay attention. And there was a critical event. And so, um, that is, you know, heart disease and women after menopause, it's big. And I think that it does get underdiagnosed because women don't present like men do. So they go into ERs and if they're not exhibiting chest pain, which is the number one marker, if it's other things like, you know, gosh, I've heard everything from back aches to severe headaches to um, there's so many other leading or I guess attributing things that women experience that they don't realize they're experiencing that has to do with their heart. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, there's actually one, it is impo very important to note, and I'm going to depth in this in the chapter and the course, but when people think heart attack, they often think that like clutching the chest and, you know, that pain in their right arm or something, like those big things that you see in the shows and that men have more prevalently have those symptoms. Women often have symptoms such as like um, their speech starts getting slurry or like incoherent and drooping of the, the face as well. So there, those are signals of a heart attack um, that often go undiagnosed. So there's a couple of different markers to be aware of uh, for women that might be signs of a heart attack uh, that are that normally you wouldn't think. Like you always wait for that, like, oh, I'm having a heart attack, right? That, and that often doesn't happen with women. Right. Right. Well, exactly. I mean, it's, it's in all the movies. That's how, that's how men have heart attacks, right? So yeah. that's how women are supposed to have heart attacks. Uh -huh. So what about these hormonal changes? I mean, hormones, come on. So that's a big one, right? Women go through these different hormonal changes. And then I think that that's where a lot of the negative connotations come in about menopause. That's where the whole deficiency thing comes in and there's something wrong with you or, oh, she's just moody or it's her hormones. All those things that just makes you want to just kind of punch something. Um, so tell us about some of those hormonal changes so that trainers have a better understanding of what women and menopause and postmenopausal might be experiencing. Yes. So I think without going into depth too much, uh, perimenopause is marked by fluctuations. I think a lot of times, and that's why it's also being marked as a deficiency is that we expect, well, yeah, estrogen is going to start disappearing. And that's why everyone's having these symptoms because we lose estrogen. But I think there's enough data to suggest that it isn't necessarily the loss or the decline because we don't lose estrogen completely. Uh, the decline in estrogen that causes all the issues, it is the fluctuations in it because sometimes estrogen can be extremely high progesterone is really low. It's like, and sometimes it's up, up and down. So we have estrogen, progesterone that kind of work in balance. And during the perimenopausal transition, it goes up and down and up and down and your body's really trying to adapt. And, and the fluctuations and the unpredictability seems to be the reason why there are the symptoms, not necessarily the decline, because some of the symptoms start disappearing or evening out when women 
transition into postmenopause, given that a lot of women still present with symptoms for years after they go into postmenopause, but at some point, everyone kind of balances out, or let's say the majority of women. And it is because as then the hormone levels kind of balance out and the body's like, okay, well, now I know how to function with this, but I can't function with up and down and up and down and roller coaster. Right. Um, so it is important to know that just because something's this way yesterday, tomorrow it could be different. So when people are working or trainers and coaches are working with clients that are going through the menopausal transition, it, it, there isn't a straight pathway. Like the symptoms could be this here today and then that tomorrow. And it could take years. You know, some women transition for 10 years, sadly, but that's the case. Well, and I think that's a good word is it's fluctuating, which means mm -hmm. it's unpredictable. And so, you know, if, if uh, you know, there's a lot of um, stereotyping and joking around women who have hormonal changes, but at the end of the day, it's the woman who's having the hormonal changes who is suffering the most, not yes. the people who are around her. And so those hormonal changes are real. But what are some of the, the markers or the hormones that women can expect? I mean, we know about the night sweats and we know about brain fog as a big one, um, inability to concentrate. What else? Well, one of the big ones that goes unnoticed is anxiety and depression. I, I know that hot flashes is the, you know, the queen bee of what everyone thinks is the marker of a symptom for menopause. But uh, a lot of women, including myself, uh, anxiety was the first symptom I experienced when I started uh, my perimenopausal journey that I'm still on. And uh, that was it, was it was crippling at times. And I thankfully knew, because I've been doing this for a long time, I knew what, that this could be perimenopause. But a lot of women are like taken completely uh, by surprise when they start having these mood issues. So more depression or anxiety that comes out of nowhere for no reason. And uh, when they're dismissed, is even worse, right? It's just like, oh, yeah, well, maybe it's just stress. Maybe it's, your, you know, all of these other reasons, but it could be. And there's a high chance that it's linked to menopause. And there's a lot of different ways that the, we, you know, we could tackle this. But right. it's essential to know. There's also uh, body aches, musculoskeletal pain, uh, you know, decrease, decrease in strength. All of these things that aren't necessarily as, uh, as um, what would I say, flashy, like a hot flash, but uh, <laughs> that we have, well, that we have out there, right? It's just like the, the cartoons are always about the woman being too hot and throwing out the blankets. It's funny. Like that's what people like to make fun of. But right. uh, that, like you were saying, the cognitive uh, issues, such as not being to remember what you just were thinking about. I get it all right. the time. Sometimes right. I'm thinking about something and there was the word. It just disappeared into the cloud and then it's gone and you just get used to letting it float away. And we know we can't get into our iCloud storage. So, I mean, once it's up there, it's up there for good. So it's I want fun. to uh, reintroduce, I, I'm talking to Maria Luque. I'm Angie Miller and we are, I'm talking to Maria Luque. We are talking about training women and menopause. And Maria is a fitness expert. She's also a health science professor. She's a menopausal research. She's the guru on menopause as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so we are now talking about those hormonal symptoms, those evil hormonal symptoms of menopause. And aside from the night sweats and throwing off the covers, 
diapers and doing all those crazy things that we hear about. We are talking about other things that menopause comes with that not so favorable uh, hormonal changes that women go through and, and the brain fog and not being able to remember things and, you know, the, the forgetfulness. And then also the, um, now I just forgot it, go figure there. I don't know if there's some irony in that or what, but um, now my, my mind went to go listed and I'm like, there it went up into the cloud. But uh, we talked about the, the cognitive changes, the hormonal changes. What was the other one that you mentioned? Anxiety. Thank you. Uh, is, is a big one. And then that was you know, the another, one. <laughs> yeah. And a, another one that, I mean, it's not, people don't talk as much about, but there's a lot of uh, is, like libido tends to go down. A lot of women have issues with that. And, uh, you know, a vaginal dryness, like those are all the things that, that we don't tend to talk about as fitness professionals. It's not really something that you can address. But these are things that impair a woman's quality of life. So I think it is important to note that although you don't need to know about all the symptoms that someone might go through, um, when you work with women that are going through the transition, there has to be a different mindset to um, understanding and being, uh, well, being understanding of their journey um, and just being there to listen really sometimes. Well, and you know what comes to my mind, Maria, is you're right. It's not like a trainer is going to go in there and talk to a female about her, her libido. However, at the same time, the word that comes to my mind is empathy. We can yes. have empathy for people's journey. We can have empathy for what it must feel like to have these unpredictable fluctuating hormones that you have no idea how to manage because it, your body has a mind of its own all of a sudden. And mm -hmm. so, you know, how maddening that must be for a woman to live that experience and how wonderful would it be for her to be a approached and addressed with empathy and understanding. But the other thing I want to pick up on, the irony is the one that I forgot, is the one that I loved hearing you say was the anxiety and depression, because the rates are really, really high for menopausal and postmenopausal women, and they're very high in seniors, is that anxiety and depression. And, you know, the, the, all those hormonal changes, it's just a woman's life changes during the time. You also have to think about lifestyle things that are going on. Mm -hmm. Usually this means kids are grown and they've gone away and you're looking at your marriage different and everything about women and their life in that stage is often very different. There are a lot of changes, good, bad, or otherwise. And I think that that also, I would think would lead to some of that anxiety and depression. Well, I know it does with emptiness syndrome for sure. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, we have to be mindful that science um, indicates that women that have had episodes of depression before going into to the transition um, have a higher risk of having another depressive episode during menopause. These are all incredibly important things to know um, and to also just be aware of, because sometimes we, we don't have to be an expert just to be a, a resource, right? Just to, mm -hmm. you might be working through some with someone that is going through perimenopause and they might not know that they are just to having some skill or knowledge to be able to ask open-ended questions um, and being there, like you said, empathetic and just, but being a, a resource, you don't have to give advice, but being a resource to help them maybe uh, think that this could be uh, perimenopause and it could be incredibly helpful. Like you could change someone's life by just having some basic knowledge. That's a, that's a good word. Being a resource. Um, you don't have to be an expert. You can be, you can be a resource. 
you can educate yourself as a trainer. You can look up information because people love to be understood. They love to be heard mm -hmm. and understood. And when they know that you've done your homework and you've been reading about what they're experiencing, that right there is a sign of empathy. You know, the minute somebody says, I thought about what you were telling me and I was doing some research, it's like, oh, they heard me and they care enough to take it one step further and deep dive so that they could give me some information. So let's go. So again, I'm talking to Maria Luque. She is a menopause researcher and she is also a health science professor and she's a fitness expert. And she, we are talking about training women during menopause. And we've talked about some of the hormonal changes, the cardiorespiratory changes. Let's talk now about, Maria, let's talk about the, the skeletal changes. Because what really comes to my mind is osteoporosis and the risk for osteoporosis. Yes. Um, it, it increases a lot. Yes. It's definitely something to be aware of. In combination with muscle loss, um, it, uh, it, it, it creates almost like a perfect storm uh, for bone issues because just age-related, muscle loss, age-related with bone loss, if we don't get ahead of, of the curve really here, um, there's a high risk for uh, bone issues such as you know a bone breakage um, and uh, osteopenia is tend, a lot of people tend to get uh, diagnosed with osteopenia, but if you are if you have a history of osteoporosis in your family, even higher chance for it, right? And there's other risk factors for osteoporosis, but menopause and the loss of estrogen is one of the, is a big, big risk factor for bone loss. These are all things, this is where really a, a, a coach and a trainer comes in handy really well, because this is your, what you're doing. This is your expertise, getting women to become stronger getting women to get be less fearful of the muscle aspect because we know there's still that myth out there that you can get you will get bulky if you start training yeah. uh, with with heavy weights all of this needs to be again we need to be a resource we need to be able to educate women that their bodies are changing and the things the strategies that we need to change we now know that the heavy lifting for older women and women transitioning through menopause is incredibly important why this is important is something that we need to educate our clients on. And we have to take away that fear that when we pick up the heavier weights, that suddenly we don't wake up the next day and, you know, look like a man, because that's really what, what everyone has in mind. So I'm so glad you brought this up because this was going to be my next kind of point. And it leads right into it. You're right. This whole discussion about skeletal changes and osteoporosis leads right into what are some exercise considerations and benefits. Mm -hmm. And one is you said it heavy lifting, but you know, so I'm sitting here and I'm like, Hmm, do I admit it or not? I'm not really a heavy lifter. So tell me why I need to be a heavy lifting. Give us some ideas because I think you're right. And I'm not a heavy lifter, not because I think I'm going to turn into the incredible Hulk and not because I think I'm going to be a man just because it's never really, I've never really been a heavy lifter. I mean, mm -hmm. I could tell you what I lift and then you might be like, yeah, Angie, that's not heavy lifting. I don't think you get, I don't think you get my vote on that one. Well, first of all, what I want to say is when we think heavy lifting, I think a lot of times women expect like a big, like big barbell and uh, you're throwing the weights around and it's all this grunting and thing. We have to remember that heavy lifting is different for everyone. Heavy lifting could be for some person, a hundred pound curls for another person in a 10 pound curls. When we talk about heavy lifting, we're looking at a range, just like we have that 12, 15 range for a moderate uh, intensity. 
when we talk heavy lifting, it is it, we were we were uh, referencing a repetition range of five to six repetitions of maximum weight. So yeah. a weight that lets you perform that uh, amount of repetition. So that is the guideline. It's not the amount of weight that you weight uh, uh, that you lift. It is um, the repetition that you can do with it. So for everyone, it looks different. Uh, another aspect, so when we're looking at heavy lifting, obviously that's very beneficial, but resistance training in general, it has to be included, even if you're not a fan or it's not something that brings you joy. Like some people are runners that that's where they get their mental, uh, like kick and, uh, our yoga, right? Some people yoga is what they want to do or mindful exercise. These are all great components, but resistance training has to be one of them because, we are losing muscle mass just from an age perspective during menopause it gets accelerated the more we let that kind of go without addressing it the more risk factors your heart just from it being able to functionally move lifting things getting up and up from the ground picking up your dogs or grandchildren or children or like the basic stuff lifting a suitcase uh you know like those things that are important to normal quality of life but there's also, there's a lot of research that indicates that resistance training, especially uh, heavier loads, are really great for self-confidence, for uh, self-efficacy. I've been doing this for a long time, and I have to say that I've never experienced someone that even if they came in with a different reason, um, like wanting to lose weight or whatever the reason is for starting to work out, they never look back and say, I hate that I feel stronger now. Like it's exactly. the, they're, you know, they're always surprised at how good it feels to feel stronger. There's something so powerful about feeling stronger that uh, it can change your mind. And that w- when we look at the incidence of body image issues during menopause, which is a big, big factor, yes. resistance training has been shown over and over and over again to be such a powerful tool in helping uh, feel better about your body. We know mass metabolically muscle is uh, a magic key ingredient. Mm-hmm. There's so many reasons on why resistance training, especially heavier resistance training, uh, should be a component in everyone's um, everyone. But women, especially going through menopause, um, try to find someone that helps you discover this and helps you find joy in doing it if it's not something that you normally enjoy doing. Well, and I'm glad that you actually kind of deep dived into that because I was sort of teasing on the heavy lifting thing. I love to do kettlebells, love to do barbell training, but I really want women to understand that heavy lifting has a different definition depending on who you are. But I think the main concept here and the main thing that I would want to tell women and you would want to tell women is just strength training in general. It's very, very empowering. It makes you leave the gym feeling strong in mind and in body. And I really feel like, you know, I love cardio, don't get me wrong, but I do feel like cardio for a lot of women becomes a mission of weight loss and almost yep. like, almost like, you know, I, I have to run because I ate too much last night. It's almost like this shaming experience. Whereas weight training just leaves women feeling so empowered, so strong, so mindfully aware of their body and its capacity. I think it just makes a, an enormous difference for women. So again, I'm talking to Maria Luque and she is a menopause expert. She's also a health and science professor. She's been studying menopause for like 20 years and she helped to write the women's fitness chapter and went, or she wrote the women's fitness chapter on menopause. And we both contributed to that specialty, that women's fitness specialization. And Maria, I just think you have so much great information on menopause. And I'm wondering, 
Before we go, is there anything else that we didn't cover in this segment that you think, gosh, I really want women to know this about menopause? It's a face. It is a transition and it will stop at some point. You will get to the other end, even if it feels like right now is the worst time. If the challenges are real, because they can be. Try to remember that it, this is a transition. That's why it's a menopausal transition. And you will get to the other side. How you get to the other side is something that you can hopefully choose to um, get a, learn some new skills. Uh, use menopause as a as a chance to re-explore your relationship with movement with yourself i think there's a chance to find something new knowing that there's something else on the other side i like that a lot it's a phase and it's a chance to re-explore i like that a yes. lot i'd love to just stay with that and that's a that's actually a great way to end because it is it is a phase and it is an opportunity to re-explore who you are who you are in your life, who you are in your relationships with other people, and what do you want moving forward? I mean, it's this big, it's like this new chapter where you get mm-hmm. to say, okay, you know what, this is this is the time behind me, but this is the time that's in front of me. This is what matters the most. And what do I want to do with this? And that transitional phase, the changes in your body also create changes in your mind. And I think it gives you new perspective and outlook. So I hope personally that women see it as a powerful phase, a phase where they get to do this reset and re-exploration. And I, I'm glad that you're out there doing the work, giving menopause a positive, positive, um, I don't know, positive face, making it something not to fear, but something that you can look at as a whole new chapter in your life, right? Yes. Yes. A chance to, you know, just a chance to find something new, but reprioritize. And there's a lot of people like you and me out there that are, their, their mission is to help women transition with a good quality of life. So I'm thankful that you're doing what you do. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that are that ready to help uh, with women that are having a challenging time. Absolutely. So Maria, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, we appreciate all of our Strong Mind, Strong Body listeners. And uh, we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.